receive these words of scripture from the Gospel according to John, chapter 1, beginning with the 29th verse. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Receive what the Spirit is saying. Amen and amen. Hi, friends. It is indeed a joy and a blessing to be with you this morning. I first want to give thanks and praise to God for uh, the invitation from uh, your pastor, uh, Reverend Ginger Gaines Sorelli, and the uh, wonderful hospitality of Foundry staff. Uh, Reverend Kelly, thank you so much for introducing me. I also want to shout out my family. Um, they're probably going to be a little embarrassed, but that's okay. Um, they uh, have constantly supported uh, me in ministry, um, and I give them thanks and praise so much. So my husband is here, and three of our four daughters are here. So just wave your hand. <laughs> and now let us pray. Gracious and eternal God, 
Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your abundant creation and the gift of diversity, which you also created. Lord, may your spirit fall afresh and anew on us here this morning, opening our ears and our eyes, our minds and our hearts. Deepen our faith this day. Decrease me, O God, and increase you within me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. wrote this quote in August of 1963 in his letter from a Birmingham jail. He wrote the pointed, deliberate critique of white, moderate clergy and the church as a response to a, quote, public statement of concern and caution, end quote, made by eight white moderate clergy in the South. In the letter, Reverend Dr. King consistently points to the injustice of the oppressed as a communal problem, not an individual one. Reverend Dr. King consistently keeps the beloved community at the core of the letter, writing in different ways the same truth that human beings in all our differences are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. We cannot escape the well-being and care of one another. What affects one of us affects all of us. And this beloved community ethic, first coined by Josiah Royce and popularized by Dr. King, was not and is not endemic to the United States, but global in its context. Anytime the dominant group or culture anywhere misuses power and privilege to oppress and mistreat non-dominant groups, it is a threat to justice everywhere. The beloved community ethic holds agape love, the highest form of love, as its main principle with the following values as guiding practices. Engaging radical hospitality to everyone. Recognizing the Imago Dei, the image of God in every human being. Showing true respect and authenticity and affirmation of all people building networks of trust and work to avoid fear of difference and others, admitting our limitations and lack of knowledge and having a lifelong learning mindset, and having a persistent and resilient commitment to justice. Now, these are just a few guiding practices of beloved community. I believe, though, that one of the most important guiding practices echoed in 
The opening quote I shared from Reverend Dr. King is this, sharing power. I'll say that again. Sharing power in a way that continually acknowledges the inescapable network of mutuality in the global human family. The relationship between John the Baptist and Jesus shows a beautiful picture of beloved community. And friends, it's not because they were cousins, because how many of us know that just because you share blood doesn't mean that you share the same values, amen? John's ministry began before Jesus' ministry did. And in fact, it was Jesus' baptism by John that launched Jesus into ministry. John had a powerful ministry, and he had disciples who followed him and were taught by him. That is, until Jesus comes on the scene. Our scripture opens with John seeing Jesus coming toward him, and John says, there Jesus is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Then in his proclamation, John continues to explain why he has come and the purpose for his own ministry. John, at this point, also gives witness to Jesus' baptism and how the Spirit of God descended on Jesus like a dove. It's in verses 35 through 39, though, that our story takes a turn. John sees Jesus again the next day, but this time John is with his own disciples. And again, John says, look, here is the Lamb of God. And verse 37 tells us this. The two disciples, John's disciples, heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. One of Jesus' first disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was a disciple of John first. And it was Andrew who brings Simon Peter to follow Jesus. Now, if you read the scriptures like I do, sometimes I play it out as a play, and because I'm a little petty, I think about what the human reaction, like what, how would I be feeling? So it's at this point that we have to say, wait a minute, what? John the Baptist was on the scene first. John the Baptist had a great ministry of baptizing people, preparing them for Jesus first. John the Baptist had disciples that were following him and listening to his teachings first. John the Baptist was in power first, right? The gospel writings don't show us an angry, jealous John the Baptist at all who hoarded ministry power and position when Jesus came on the scene. In fact, the gospel writings show us a beautifully loving network of mutuality between John the Baptist and Jesus. In John chapter 3, John's disciples are irritated because Jesus is baptizing people and those people are going with Jesus. John the Baptist responds, he must increase, but I must decrease. After Jesus begins his ministry in Galilee and hears that John is arrested in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus doesn't act, quote, brand new. 
forgetting the person who baptized him. Jesus honors John the Baptist's ministry and the Spirit of God at work in John when Jesus includes John the Baptist's main ministry message from Isaiah into his own ministry. Repent, for the kingdom of God has come near. Jesus even praises John's ministry in Matthew chapter 11 while John sat in prison testifying to the truth of John's witness about the Messiah. Even John, as he sat in prison, was unsure of Jesus's identity and supported Jesus's ministry anyway and proclaimed the truth of who Jesus was and why he had come. In their relationship, we see a mutual blessing of one another's ministries and amid their disciples' differences. We see love in action. We see power sharing and the peaceful passing of the ministry mantle. Now, there are certainly examples throughout history of power sharing and the peaceful passing of mantles of power. But church, let's be honest this morning. A beloved community ethic is not the ethic of the empires of this world. Power sharing is not a thing that happens as a regular way of being in our world. Our American society values power hoarding and competition and furthering our own personal agendas. We often have a scarcity mindset rather than trusting in an abundant God, active and present in our lives and in the world. The most popular TV show of 2023 so far has not been any lineup on Netflix, Hulu, or cable television. I wish it was the case. The most popular show of the year so far has been the Speaker of the House voting show that happened last week. As we know, last week, Representative Kevin McCarthy was elected Speaker of the House. And no matter how we may feel about him or what side of the political aisle we're on, we can all agree that the voting process for Speaker of the House alone was quite a show. Representative McCarthy was elected on the 15th ballot, but not, after, not before having to go to battle with conservatives and moderates in his own party before he got there. Representative Hakeem Jeffries won more votes than McCarthy on the first ballot and later made history as the first Black Party leader in the House of Representatives in 2023. All the happenings in Congress, even amid a historic election of Representative Jeffries, reminded me of sometimes the tenor of our denominational conference gatherings at the jurisdictional and annual conference levels, which, friends, are not much different. Friends, how are we using our positions and our platforms and our power and our privilege? to bless and benefit others rather than curse them, to love rather than hate, to be repairers of the breach and restorers of broken walls, as Isaiah proclaims in chapter 58, rather than maintainers of the status quo. 
John modeled the beloved community ethic, not fearing becoming irrelevant or unknown. He did not play identity politics to encourage his disciples to do or encourage his disciples to do the same when Jesus came on the scene. John intentionally decreased his ministry, reminding his own disciples of his ministry purpose. After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because Jesus was before me. I myself did not know Jesus, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that Jesus might be revealed in Israel. John remembered who he was and whose he was and the purpose for his ministry to, the point, to point others, even his own disciples, to Jesus. Likewise, the Apostle Paul in the letter to the Corinthians that was read today, urged the church at Corinth, even in their deep, sharp divisions, to remember the reason for their salvation and the reason their faith community exists, Jesus Christ. He reminds the Corinthian church and us that God is faithful. By God, you were called into the fellowship of God's Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul reminds us that it is God and Christ who calls us into the kingdom of God to live out beloved community as a public witness to the good news of Jesus. For Christmas and New Year's holidays, my family and I celebrated in the Democratic Republic of Congo, my husband's country of origin, And for me and for three of our four daughters, it was our first time in Congo and our first time on the continent of Africa. We went during, uh, as the dry season was ending and as uh, Congo was moving into the rainy season, which is uh, about three months, so January through March. So we were able to experience a few thunderstorms while we were there. And friends, they are not like the thunderstorms here. They are torrential thunderstorms. Right outside of my sister-in-law's house, uh, right across the street, during that thunderstorm, a mango tree came down and also a fiber optic pole and cable also came down. So the next morning when we went back over to see her, we all were looking outside the window from the balcony and we could see that the mango tree was down and the pole and the cable were down. So we were all kind of talking about it and asking questions because as uh, you know, in Congo, there's no BGE, there's no electric company that's gonna come out and remove it. It's the work of the community. We look a few hours later, and there's a small group of people that gathered in front of the down mango tree and the fiber optic pole and cable, and together they were figuring out what to do. They were trying to find a solution for the good of the community and those that were coming into the neighborhood and going out of the neighborhood, not just driving, but walking. A few hours later, we noticed that someone had come with something to cut the tree down with, and uh, some other folks had removed the pole, and in order to care for the cable that was hanging over uh, the road, someone had put, I think, cardboard markers on the top of it. 
to notify those driving in that there's a cable here and you need to be careful. As we watch the small group of people talk and move to finding others, together they had used their resources and connections and power and privilege, because some in that group were police officers, to figure out what to do for the good of all. Friends, that's a picture of the beloved community at work. I want to leave us with a few questions for reflection this morning. How are we using and sharing the power and privilege we hold to invite others into the kingdom of God? How are we willing to lay aside our agendas to further the mission of Jesus? And what are we willing to do to give up, to lay aside, or to take hold of or take on to increase Jesus' mission wherever we are? Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for you. We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, and the mission and ministry of John the Baptist. Help us to see their example, O God, and by your grace, to live into your beloved community however you call us to be, and whatever that looks like, wherever we are. Help us to remember that we are part of the global human family, an inescapable network of mutuality of love and care for one another. In Jesus' name we pray.